Welcome everyone to the third episode of Theme Park Sandbox. My name is Aaron. My name's Drew. And we're here to nerd out with you for a bit. Oh yeah. Drew yeah. recently. Been doing good. Doing good. I just miss, you know, going into the parks and it's definitely uh, made me realize how much I missed it by talking about all these details and um, you know, looking up ride videos and, and realizing like I just I was looking at someone going on Pirates of the Caribbean the other day and they happened to glance yeah. over at yeah. the Harbor Galley and I just for some reason was just like, Oh, I really miss that right now. So that's how I'm doing. But yeah. it's okay. We'll we'll get yeah. there eventually. I've heard uh that California Adventure has some plan of like a super limited partial opening with a few things, but I don't know. At this point, it still seems you know, my parks are open and I'm not going. So yeah, I'm sure that you're yeah, in a similar situation. Yeah, they're planning on doing like a food and wine festival type event, something similar to the Knott's Berry Farm Taste of Knott's. Um, uh, but okay. yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure if uh, I, I kind of like the idea of just you know going. To the park and experiencing it like we did before. Um, yeah. The, the, the first Waiting time I the real back. thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, on today's episode, we're going to mix things up a bit, and we're actually going to do a comparison ranking of East Coast and West Coast attractions, some of the most well-known East Coast and West Coast Disney attractions that exist both in my park, Magic Kingdom, and in Drew's Park, Disneyland in Anaheim. So here are the attractions we're going to talk about today. We're going to start with Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, Guardians of the Galaxy, Mission Breakout, compared to uh, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. And we're going to talk about Indiana Jones Adventure versus Dinosaur. And lastly, Haunted Mansion. So those are the yeah. five rides that we're going to talk about today. Drew, of those five rides, were there any that, uh, that stuck out to you as being like unique among that group? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I think the biggest unique point between them is just how old they are and how technology has moved forward. But it was actually pretty amazing when we were brainstorming, you know, which rides we wanted to do for this episode, um, how many similar rides there really are. So uh, I'm really looking forward to doing... Yeah. Um, of course, Dinosaur and Indiana Jones, because that's probably one of my favorite ride vehicles. <laughs> so that sticks out for me. Yeah. But. Well, let's get started. Let's get started with Space Mountain. So I'll give a brief description of, of my Space Mountain, and then why don't you do the same for yours? So Great. Space Mountain is an indoor, dark outer space-themed, steel, dual-tracked, enclosed roller coaster in Tomorrowland at the Magic Kingdom and it opened in January of 1975. And Space Mountain in California is an indoor, dark, outer space-themed steel track enclosed roller coaster in Tomorrowland at Disneyland, and it opened in May of 1977. Let's talk about the categories that we used to rank these rides. So the first category is theming. So... Before I give you my ranking, I think it'd be important to explain what we mean by theming. So we have a yeah. few different categories, but theming is like such a broad category where people just say like, oh, it's got great theming. But really to me, uh, what theming is, is how that particular attraction fits within its surrounding area. 
So uh, for me, Space Mountain got an 8 out of 10. And what about Space Mountain in Florida? How did it do with theming? So Space Mountain in Florida was was very similar. Um, I gave it a 7. Um, and the reason is mainly because I, I love our California Space Mountain, um, but I also like that it can be seen from the, the main entrance or like when you're walking into the park. Um, so it kind of helps uh, guide you and know like, oh my gosh, that's Tomorrowland. So I think that's why I yeah. gave it an, a, an extra point in California. Yeah. My rankings were similar. Uh, I gave California an eight and I gave Florida a six. Uh, oh. A couple of reasons why I ranked Florida lower. Uh, you can actually drive by it on the roads to get to like the parking lot. And it's just kind of like out there. Um, Interesting. Far more exposed than like the berm in California that sort of protects it from view. You know, you can sort of see the Matterhorn. You can sort of see a couple of things, but uh, it really is just kind of exposed and just visible. Um, there's just not really another way around it. Uh, everything's flat out here. Um, right. But also the the ending of the ride uh, where you have to sort of walk underneath the, I think it's the railroad, um, to get back to Tomorrowland proper. You sort of pass by some murals and it's seen as kind of, at least in my eyes, is kind of like an afterthought. And um, once you actually are in the queue, it's a bit, uh, I don't know, they used to have like... Um, a little interactive arcade style game and then just some sort of like illusion based stars uh star fields on like warped glass or warped mirrors and some some like pretty pretty basic pretty classic effects but i don't know to me it left a lot to be desired compared to the sort of like slick it's thoroughly completely from start to finish a star station like this is a space station hub uh, in Anaheim to connect you to these other space station hubs. So to me, California definitely gets the bump there. Yep. I'm glad we agree on that one. The next category was storytelling, storytelling in Space Mountain. So talk to me about your feeling on storytelling in California. Yeah. So my ranking for the storytelling for Space Mountain, I gave it a five. Um, and this was particularly difficult for me because I feel like it goes with the theme of Tomorrowland and kind of it tells the story of Tomorrowland as far as space and rockets and the future, but that's about it. Um, it doesn't really um, have any direction or have a narration. The soundtrack is kind mm -hmm. of cool and funky and kind of like, yeah. um, well, we have a soundtrack. You you, you guys, yeah. um, your soundtrack is, is missing, but... Um, we don't have a soundtrack. We just have another track. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for me, the the storytelling is is lacking. Um, it, but that's going to happen. That's not what Space Mountain's about. So, and I yeah. think I think we'll find that more as we go further into our different categories. So I give it yeah. a five. Yeah. And then what about Florida? How did Florida do? Florida got the same exact thing. It got a five. Um, I will say it was it was 
very close to getting a six because you actually do get to see astronauts during the lift hill, which I think is really cool. And um, but, but other than that, I think it's kind of the same situation as Tomorrowland here in California. It goes with the theme of Tomorrowland and space and things like that. But um, as far as telling a story, you're just going in space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. My, my rankings were very similar to yours as well. Uh, I gave storytelling in California a four, and in Florida, I actually gave it a three. Um, I think that uh, in the sense, the the cohesive sense of that it is a space station, and you come into a space station, you board a rocket, and you go somewhere, where is kind of like unseen, by who, and for what reason is vague at best. But you do kind of have a cohesive experience at the very least in California. In Florida, it starts off even more vague, and um, you have some like more random like effects, I guess you'd say, like the okay. the different yeah. colored tunnels and some other things. You definitely see the uh, the astronauts working on a space station, um, looking apparatus in the lift hill, mm-hmm. but that's sort of it by comparison to like the the light effects on the California lift hill and some things like that that. I don't know. It, it does set the mood a bit better, maybe. That's, I mean, maybe playing into theming a bit. But story-wise, both are quite vague. And um, it is really just sort of a story of this is technology of some distant future in some distant land. And you get to sort of participate in that fantasy. Yeah, and I should also remind everybody that this we're just talking about the basic Space Mountain. We're not talking about Ghost Galaxy during Haunted Mansion. Correct. We're not talking about um, uh, the Star hyperspace Wars overlay that they have. Yeah. Right, exactly, Hyperspace Mountain. Yeah. So we're, we're just talking basic Space Mountains. Yes. Um, interesting. Yeah. Interesting points. Yeah. yeah. By comparison, though, there there's more story in... I mean, I know we're not talking about it because it's not on either coast, but um, there's some more story in, say, the one in Disneyland Paris, um, which does have a, a little bit more to it. Um, it's a little bit more Jules Verne. Right. You sort of get launched out of a like a cannon and some other cool stuff like that. Anyways, uh, I digress. Yeah, I'm looking so that forward was, to going on that one eventually. That'd be pretty cool. Yes, we'll have to do the one trip. time I was in the one time I was in Disneyland Paris, it was closed for refurbishment because we were there in January. Bummer. So, yeah, <laughs> super bummer. Uh, so the next category that we ranked this uh, these attractions on is technology. So Drew, talk to me about the tech yeah. in Disneyland's Space Mountain. So um, for the technology, I mean, it's exactly how it sounds. How technologically advanced is the ride? Um, Space Mountain, a roller coaster, is not going to be, you know, the winner <laughs> in comparison to other attractions uh, in the park. Yeah. But for technology, this one, I gave it a seven. And the reason I gave it a seven is because the one in Disneyland actually has speakers that are literally pointed directly into your ears. And like I said, mm-hmm. you do get that soundtrack. And when you think about it, there's not very many roller coasters out there these days that have uh, onboard um, speakers and, and sound systems. And so to me, that gives it kind of an edge versus the Florida version. I gave it a five because it is incredibly simple. Um, I mean, yeah. even, even the braking system <laughs> for the actual ride vehicles is is pretty old. So I seven versus yeah. five. That's where I sit for technology. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the the onboard audio. 
I mean, the rides, the roller coasters, I should say, that stick out in my mind that have or had onboard audio, Space Mountain in California being one of them, uh, Rock and Roller Coaster in its iterations, mm-hmm. um, and then I guess California Screaming that eventually turned into Incredicoaster. All Disney roller coasters. I can't think of another one off the top of my head that's a non Disney. Uh, well, I guess Rip Ride Rocket at Universal. Yeah. Uh, does have onboard audio, which is cool because you can select your your song, but different implementation, right. I guess. Yeah, to me, uh, it was a huge it was a huge deal when when they did add speakers to it because when it first opened, yeah. it didn't have speakers, and then they did a they did a refurbishment, brought in new cars, and then when the speakers turned on, I meant I, I, it gave you shivers, it, it gave you goosebumps because it yeah. was just so good. Yeah. And it really kind of adds to the the mania of being on the ride in the dark. So, it really does. Yeah. What are your yeah. scores, Aaron? Uh, mine were were similar, uh, a little lower than yours. My tech rank on Anaheim was a six, and the tech rank was a four in Florida. I think I'm a little bit <laughs> a little bit stingier with these points than you. It seems like, <laughs> which is okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a disparity uh, uh, between the California and Florida technology because uh, California has gotten a big overhaul that Florida has not seen. Right. Um, Florida does have the original Space Mountain, which is cool, but it's as far as ride mechanics go, it's basically the Matterhorn, maybe slightly less bumpy. Yeah, but it's basically the Matterhorn. Um, Space Mountain. In California, does have the cool like on onboard audio, obviously the in ride effects in that first tunnel. Right. Um, but it once it gets out and becomes just a roller coaster, it is a room with a mirror ball. Basically, and I couldn't get past that. It, it's basically just a room with a mirror ball that makes a bunch of turns in the same direction. It's all right turns. Basically, all right turns the whole ride. until it's not yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah hey, but you know what you guys still have people mover um so that's true i mean as far as tomorrowlands go that's an interesting conversation we should have that conversation later that that is and people mover goes through space mountain yeah and so you can experience space mountain without riding space mountain right which is kind of neat yeah, that whole like integrated Tomorrowland idea is still still there, still there in Florida. Uh, so the next category, thrill. Talk to me about thrill. All right. So for this one, I had to give Space Mountain a nine. That is the whole reason you go on that ride. That's the whole reason That's kids right. are terrified when they get in line for that ride because they're not it's sure true. if they can handle that thrill. I remember being yeah. really apprehensive as a kid uh, getting in line for Space Mountain. Not only is it in the dark, which kids don't like, but it's a roller coaster and it feels really fast, even though it's not. But it, like thrill, not. I got to give it a nine. And for the give one in nine. Florida, I gave that one a six. And the only reason mm-hmm. that I gave it a six is because it's so much more bumpy um, that it kind of, I, I feel like it kind of takes away from that thrill of, of that smooth, mm-hmm. fast roller coaster feel. Uh, definitely For fun similar, ride. super fun ride. Oh, there's no, there's no question of that. Uh, yeah. I gave California an eight for essentially the same reasons that you did. Uh, okay. I think the fact that you're flying around in the dark, that you are pulling, uh, the turns that you're uh, maneuvering are really tight turns and so you get that feeling of gravity and being pushed back in your seat 
even though you aren't reaching like a super high top speed. It's like in the 30s, isn't it? 30 something, 34. If that, if that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it's not it's not a super speed ride. Um, I gave Florida a six. It is bumpy, and I think that there is some thrill factor to the jank, which uh, I don't know. That's true. I'm kind of I'm kind of back and forth on that. It's not quite as dark. It does have like light elements and these other little things that are maybe surprising, but not um, not more thrilling than California. California definitely takes the cake there. And you know, there's one thing I forgot to mention too, is that in the middle of the California ride, there is a small dip that makes you really feel like you're losing your stomach. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's not a drop. It is a slow descent, which makes you really feel like you're floating out of your chair. And I I love looking over uh, at people that have brought for the first time during that part, just to see their face and their reaction from feeling their stomach you know, leap out of their, out of their stomach. But anyway, uh, so I, I think yeah. that helped it a little bit too. I will say actually the, the sudden surprise left turn is pretty thrilling. And you're and going fast what, too during your left turn. Yeah. And special shout out to ghost galaxy with the last jump scare ghost at the <laughs> very end. Yes. I, that gets like a, that gets like a parenthetical its own category point. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely the winner for Thrill is, is California. Absolutely. All right. So far we have theming, storytelling, technology, Thrill, and like Aaron said, nostalgia. Nostalgia. So, Drew, talk to me about the nostalgia that you have for Space Mountain. I had to give the nostalgia a seven. It was, it seven. was right in, to me, that's kind of right in the middle. Um, because mm-hmm. there are definitely other rides that give you the feeling of those memories that pop up in your head, right? Um, but I think there are, there are definitely other rides that are more nostalgic for sure. Uh, I think Seven is fair because, I mean, it's Space Mountain. It, and it's such, yeah. it's such a must-do ride that mm-hmm. it has no... Where it has it has to be nostalgic because you always yeah. think about it anytime you're planning a trip. There's always someone that's looking forward to going on Space Mountain, um, and and it gives me that feeling of like when I was a kid and I decided, you know what, like I'm a thrill seeker, I can totally do this. And so to me, that's yeah. that's a great feeling. Um, yeah. And then for Space Mountain in Florida, I I gave it a six. Same thing. I think it's incredibly nostalgic. I think it's it's if not the the most uh, popular ride in Tomorrowland that everybody looks forward to before all these new attractions opened. What would you do? You'd wait for that rope to drop and you'd immediately go right. That's what everybody does. That's so right. To me, that is mm-hmm. a huge, huge nostalgia point. I gave California actually a five on nostalgia for a couple of reasons. Uh, when I think of nostalgia on a ride, it's mostly visual experiences and because there's not scenes to connect to in the ride i didn't have like a really good emotional attachment to the ride experience itself um i definitely have fondness for the ride but as far as like the nostalgia i you know it doesn't have the sort of disney nostalgia built in like the almost weaponized nostalgia of having just old relics that are still running around this is, right. by all accounts, kind of a fairly modern 
version of this ride. Uh, and popular though it may be, I still didn't think that it like dominated the nostalgia category. Um, I actually gave Florida an eight in nostalgia because it is the first and essentially untouched version of Space Mountain. And it does have some of those jank Disney World uh, non-moving animatronics floating around and at a computer station. And it's got like, it it just screams 1970s. And whether you like that or not, it does harken back to that time. And you are put in that place in that time right away. Um, Having a ride with some jank does bring you back. And so even if it doesn't dominate the the thrill and if it doesn't dominate the technology, it still has nostalgia for like OG Disney World and that whole sort of like idea of making a second Magic Kingdom style park. I think you bring a really good point. I think maybe I may have mistaken nostalgia for fondness, but yeah, that's a very that's very interesting. Very interesting. I mean, yeah, we can interpret these terms uh, in slightly different ways, but that is how I interpreted it, is not just my own personal nostalgia for it, but sort of the nostalgia that it can hearken to anyone. You know, will a person born in like 2008 or 10, Mm -hmm. will they enjoy an old ride or a new ride more if it's going to be a new ride the old ride probably has some nostalgia points (laughs) because that means the older crowd of people are going to like it just because they already like it because it's familiar you know right it's got that that familiarity interesting interesting that was actually closer than i thought it was going to be yeah, we, we got pretty darn close to one another as far as our rankings go. Uh, you saw the areas where we obviously separated. Right. All right. The next attraction that we're going to be talking about, one of my favorites, Big Thunder Mountain. Oh, yeah. The Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. So if you haven't already, please hold on to your hats and glasses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just a brief description. Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is a mine train roller coaster located in Frontierland at several Disneyland-style Disney parks worldwide. And the Disneyland version that I'm going to be talking about opened in September of 1979. Big Thunder Mountain in Florida is located in Frontierland in Magic Kingdom and opened in September of the following year in 1980. Interesting. You know, when I was looking up the age for Big Thunder Mountain, I thought it was a newer roller coaster than 1979 here in California. Um, yeah, it is a bit of a sleeper for uh, for showing its age. It really has stood well. Totally, totally. So just like last time, we're going to start with theming. Drew, talk to me about Big Thunder Mountain's theming in Anaheim. All right. So back to theming. It has everything to do with where the ride is sitting within its surroundings. And for the theming for Big Thunder, I gave it a nine because Frontierland is Frontierland. It's all about Mm -hmm. the Old West. It's right next to a shooting gallery. Um, It just totally, the Golden Horseshoe's right across from it. I mean, it is the perfect ride to put into something like Frontierland. So I actually gave it a really high score of nine. And then for the Florida version, I gave it an eight. So 
It is kind of still in that western area of Florida, but the only reason I gave it a point less is because it's so close in proximity to Splash Mountain that it kind of yeah, takes you out of that theming a little bit. Um, so mm-hmm. California 9, uh, Florida 8. I completely agree with with um, both of your major points. Uh, so I gave both California and Florida an 8. Um, I definitely agree that Frontierland has superior theming to Florida. I definitely agree with that. Um, the reason that I think that the theming within the queue is superior is that you have some more interactive elements. You have more of the sense that you're in a mine. There's a lot more props and like interactive elements and uh, things that go whiz bang. And you've got like canaries that you can hear and see. So. Right. It does have a little bit more immersion here in Florida, but man, the the overall theming and the fit of a ride in a land in Anaheim is like a chef's kiss perfect. It's awesome. So I gave eight to both. Yeah, I just think, you know, if you're waiting in line at Pirates of the Caribbean and you're looking across the rivers of America, I mean, at a glance, you know that's frontier land. You see the Golden mm-hmm. Horseshoe, you see Rancho del Zocalo. You see Big Thunder Mountain. Um, it is it is right there. Yeah. All right. So the next category would be storytelling. Yeah. So this one was kind of difficult because their stories are very similar. I agree with you that Florida has way more props uh, in comparison mm-hmm. to California. But California, I actually gave it an eight. Um, and I gave Florida a seven. And the reason why I gave California the eight is simply because of the lift hill in the middle of the ride. It is so great with the projections of the fuses and all the dynamite reactions and then the big blast towards your face, uh, towards the top of the lift hill that just really edges it up a little bit for me. And then I'm also, you know, somebody who likes, um, odes to old attractions and it has uh at the end of the ride the little buildings um Mm -hmm. that were rainbow ridge exactly yeah they were original to uh uh mine train through nature's wonderland so you know i like that so what is the story of thunder mountain to me the story of thunder mountain is you're hopping onto a mine train um that is you know going through this crazy track through a cavern that's about to be blown up. I think I think it gets the point across. Yeah. From what I know of the story of Thunder Mountain, it has something to do with that the big Thunder Mountain mining company has acquired land through like sort of maybe nefarious means and as a result, there's a curse put on the land that's causing all of these earthquakes. And so you are just an average miner going out to do a day's work, but there's such a bad earthquake that that's what sort of like sets the train off. There may be some, I might be overlapping this with um, something else, but there's something like a, a, a train's possessed and there's like a whole lot that goes into the lore behind Thunder Mountain. Really? I didn't know that. That's really interesting. And for that reason, I gave it a three on storytelling because you don't get any of that. That's, yeah, well, that's true. The story of the ride is very cool and very interesting. 
but you don't get really into those nuances. Yeah. Um, so your interpretation of the of the ride story of of like you being a character and boarding the train and all that on a surface level is executed just fine. But I guess you could say that about any train ride in a Western setting. Like the thing that makes Big Thunder unique is the fact that like there's this whole backstory that's going on. You get a bit more of it, just a bit more in Florida because there's more reference to it being a mine town. But there's Definitely. more reference to it being like an active mine and that they're sort of like pushing things to a degree that maybe isn't quite so good. Um, I don't know. So I, I gave Florida a higher rank on storytelling. I gave it a six. That's basically just because of the queue and the queue didn't happen in 1980. But um, yeah, I, I think that as, as storytelling roller coasters go, Thunder Mountain is not among the, the strongest, but it's not terrible either. Yeah. It doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the ride. I just don't think that it it doesn't like hit it out of the park there. I will Definitely. say that uh, regarding technology, that lift hill that you were talking about in California earns earns its way. It earns its way back. So Definitely. Now, let's talk about technology. Yeah. So, like I said, technology in roller coasters is not going to rank the highest for me. Uh, here in California, I gave it a six. And in Florida... I gave it a five, um, and really, uh, it's uh, part of that is because of those projections. You know, th that's the only reason it got a one point higher. Um, but as far as the actual technology, I mean, it's a great roller coaster, um, but there's not very much besides an animatronic goat at the top <laughs> for technology. We ranked Florida identically. I also gave it a five in technology. I ranked a seven, um, maybe partly out of feeling bad that I roasted it for storytelling, but it really was that lift hill that really does it. Um, that really takes the ride from being just sort of a roller coaster that's an enjoyable once through to being like, oh, this is worth waiting for. This is worth experiencing. So I, I definitely agree, though. It's a roller coaster from the late 70s. It feels like it. The next category, and now we have uh, at least a reference point uh, with Space Mountain, is going to be thrill. So talk to me about the thrill. Yeah, so the thrill in California actually lost to Florida. Uh, I gave the thrill in California a 6 versus Florida getting mm -hmm. a 7. And the reason is just because of, to me, it's the length of the ride. In Florida, you get so many yeah. more things and like uh, so many more different maneuvers um, besides just going around a swooping turn. Um, there's a there's a particular mm -hmm. part in the Florida version where the train kind of just goes back and forth and you kind of just feel the whoops of the trains in front of you and behind yeah. you. And to me, that is just way cooler and way more of a thrill ride. And it really, really helps bring that excitement um, to the to the roller coaster that you don't get in California because I think California is just strapped for space so it's mostly just yeah. really tight turns and I do love you know the the whole looking at the goat while you go down the turn thing that's really thrilling yeah but as far as uh, comparison Florida definitely gets it for me way more thrilling way more fun and a longer ride 
I mean, I, I, I actually ranked them both at seven. I think that they are comparable enough as far as like a peak of thrill that they both sort of deserved a similar rank. Um, I definitely love that we get a little bit of a longer ride in Florida, um, but that doesn't change the the thrilling experience that I've had on the California coaster um, or even the sort of fake out experience that I, <laughs> I love doing at the very end, right before the last tiny little lift. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just get really amped up, especially if I'm sitting next to someone who's never been on it. I went with my nephew and I think I scared him half to death after he's like been tortured all the way through 80% of the ride. We go on one more lift hill and I'm like, are you ready for the big one? And then we just sort of <laughs> patter on through to the end of the ride. <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, as you can see, I've had, I've had some good times on, on both. And what's cool about Big so, Thunder Mountain too, is if you're taking a newbie who's never been on the ride before, and they're really scared, you can put them in the front, and it's a totally different experience than putting them in the back row. It's true. So that's one of the that's rare true. rides where you can yeah. do that. So kind of cool. I think that there's maybe like a, a level of apprehension because it's just a single lap bar for two riders. That yeah. uh, And also, you and I are both bigger fellows, so if we're with someone quite small, like my nephew, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of moving. There's a lot of... Uh, uh, sliding on that seat oh yeah they're sliding back and forth on that vinyl seat through every turn Mm -hmm. yeah last category nostalgia yeah so nostalgia um to me big thunder mountain is up there with space mountain i think all the mountains are particularly nostalgic to me um i gave it a seven uh and then i give florida a six um like i said it's just one of those rides where you you want to go on it while you're planning your vacation. You have to go on it. You have to try to hit all the mountains. I think I'm, again, a little bit stingier. I gave both fives. It's a mountain, and it's a must-do because it's a mountain. Um, but I didn't have any particular... I don't have any particular nostalgia for it just being anything more than a good roller coaster. Yeah. And I think maybe that's, maybe that's just a metric of... I didn't ride it a ton when I was a really little kid, mm. um, you know, I got into, I got into coasters, I don't know, 12, 13, something like that. Um, probably on the later side of like a lot of my friends, to be honest, but I, I have a lot of fondness for it. I don't have a ton of nostalgia for it. And I think actually I ranked it low in hindsight now, I ranked it low because I didn't realize quite how old it was, or I don't fully appreciate how old it is. It seems newer it does. than a ride that's uh, that's 40. So I think maybe my my low ranking is sort of, sort of on the measure of, I'm assuming that it's newer than it actually is. Yeah, I also think that it depends on, on for me personally, going on each one of the mountains, it was like, you go on Big Thunder Mountain first, you go on mm-hmm. Splash Mountain, and then when you're really yep. ready, you go to Space Mountain, right? Matterhorn is uh, always yep. kind of the first because it's a little jerky and you're all you're sitting in yeah. someone's lap, at, you know, back in the day. So it, you had a yeah. little bit more of a sense of security. So Matterhorn was kind of like easy. But for me, each one of these mountains was kind of like the next step uh, into, you know, thrill. So I think that's more nostalgic for me just because of that. That makes total sense. You had like the the mountain punch card 
that you were just going through and everyone. I literally had one. After- I literally had a mountain passport that they used to give out and they would stamp. <laughs> I got to find that thing somewhere, but I have it. Oh, and I went on all of them and I was so proud to, to be able to get all the stamps on my mountain passport. So that was Big Thunder Mountain. The next ride that we're going to talk about is a ride system that is shared between two very differently themed rides. Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout and the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. Yeah, very, very different now, but they started off the same, essentially. So uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout is an accelerated drop tower dark ride attraction at Disney California Adventure Park and opened in May of 2017 as Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. But Tower of Terror, which is what it was previously known as, opened in 2004. Still known as the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror or just Tower of Terror, an accelerated drop tower dark ride in Disney's Hollywood Studios located in the Sunset Boulevard area opened all the way back in 1994. That's so crazy. So there's a, a 10-year spread between when the Florida version and the original California Twilight Zone version opened. Yeah, and actually it was not even uh, an open area for California Adventure previously to the park opening. They had to actually add it later, and they added it so much later that they didn't really plan on how much electricity that ride uses, and so it would actually uh, create power outages in Anaheim up until the point where they decided it should probably have its own power grid. So now it doesn't have that problem anymore. But that's how powerful that attraction is. Those elevators are so strong that it can take out all the power for an entire city. Insane. Wow, wow. And and it wasn't there something about the, the motor system yeah, it was I like the largest it, the largest AC motor or something is is built into that ride. That's right. Yeah, and I think it's by oh, I'm forgetting the name of the the famous uh, the famous elevator company, but yeah, it was commissioned um, by Disney, and I yeah, I believe it's the largest AC motors ever made ever. Insane, insane, yeah, totally. So amazing. we might be. We might be uh, peeking into our technology scores, but let's start with theming. Let's start with theming and let's start in California with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for theming, um, there's no easy way to put it. I gave it a five. (laughs) It's it has nothing to do with the Hollywood backlot. Now, will my score change when Avengers Campus opens? You would think so, but then also kind of not really, unless there's a backstory that we don't know about it yet because the you know Avengers Campus isn't open. But to me, it mm-hmm. scores pretty low with theming. Um, it's also just a crazy eyesore from most of the park. It's very cool, but I had to give it a five versus Tower of Terror in Florida. I mean, it, it fits right in. It fits. It's the Hollywood Tower, so it got an eight, and uh, yeah. rightfully so. I gave uh, Guardians a six for similar reasons. Um, yeah, I, I was trying to imagine what it would be like to have the Collector's Fortress right next to Avengers Campus, in in, in like what MCU rationale that that would actually work. And right. I couldn't come up with like a really good reason. 
And so then backing it up a step and saying, why the heck is it in the Hollywood backlot? It's so hard to rationalize that. The interior props are really cool. Um, you got a Herald in there, which is great. You have a Figment in there, which is super weird. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, aside from like the interior set dressing um, and then like some of the Marvel props that they have in like the that main atrium, it's hurting. It's hurting. So it gets a six. Yeah. Uh, by contrast, by contrast, Tower of Terror got a nine from me. And wow. I think by by nature of how perfectly suited it is, it's sort of like the Haunted Mansion is to New Orleans Square, where it's almost like they built a land around an attraction rather than tried to figure out what attraction would fit into a land. Like figuring out something like that, so right. fundamental and making it work so well. And especially that it wasn't an opening day attraction, so they didn't really do it in that order, but it just works so cohesively. It is a, the right story for the right time period in the right land, the right look. The Art Deco appearances are just, I, I'm fond of generally, so yeah, I just think it's awesome. I just think it's great. So I gave it a nine in theming. Next would be storytelling. Yeah, so... This was really difficult for me uh, because the ride stories are so different, but um, they both got eights for me. I think the storytelling, once you're in that queue and you're kind of in that Marvel mentality for Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, I mean, the name is pretty obvious. Uh, Some people might Mm -hmm. love it. Some people might hate it. But Mission Breakout is exactly that. You go in and... The second you walk in, you get the idea like, oh, all of these things that are in these cages are are trapped. Um, the story is so clear. And then, of course, one of my favorite things is just the animatronic rocket. I think that is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was yeah. totally unexpected for me when they decided that they were going to close the ride to do, you know, uh, the refurb and the update. I, I was just like blown away the first time I saw Rocket. And I was just I love the story. Um, from beginning to end, and I love ending with music that's from the soundtrack. So yeah, and then of course in Florida, um, like I said, it also got an eight. Um, the story fits perfectly uh, within, and it might be because it's sort of familiar, right? Like I know the story, but mm-hmm. I think just it's a haunted elevator. I love it. That's great. Let's yeah. get on it. <laughs> the story yeah. really is simple but it's good and it really fits both of these rides have such a good mechanism for setting up story um i gave a seven to guardians and the preamble that you get from rocket really does set you up perfectly um the execution that they have for putting you in the story right off the bat is really incredible you don't get quite the same technological amazement in florida but I gave it um, an eight because the Rod Serling style of giving that sort of story introduction is right out of the Twilight Zone. Like that's not something that they conjured up to make it work within a ride or like create like a preamble or or something like that or right. or guise it under under some like different terms. Like that is just straight out of an episode, and they made it work within the ride so effectively. And so it's 
it's almost like a credit to Twilight Zone storytelling more so than Disney storytelling, but it's Disney's ability to execute on really superior storytelling mechanisms. Absolutely. So both of them are are really really great, um, and and they both stick the landing to have a preamble, thrill, sprinkle in story in the midst of that, and then wrap it up. Like they they're able to give you a beginning, middle, and end, and that's what you need. Totally, totally. Yeah, the technology and the rights. Yeah. So. Uh, once again, they scored pretty much the same for me. I gave them both sevens um, mm-hmm. because the actual technology. Now, I will say the next category, Thrill, uh, is a little bit different, but I think the technology kind of goes hand in hand. Basically, I think that the technology balances out. So what you get with Guardians of the Galaxy and I don't know if you've ever seen the behind the scenes for how they filmed uh, the the actual... Because when you never stop in Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. You're constantly bouncing, but the video is actually mm-hmm. moving with you. So to me, that technology is really cool. They had to film it to match the drop sequence. But right. then there's also the technology right. in Florida of actually going... Um, you know, through that hallway before you hit the drop sequence. The fifth dimension. Exactly. Yep. So for me, they, they're they tied. They both get sevens. Yeah. So s- for similar reasons, I ranked mine a seven in Anaheim and an eight in Florida. So I do love the onboard, um, the onboard video sequences, and I love that it's faster. Um, I don't think that faster is necessarily a technological feat, uh, but I do love the constant motion. That is really cool. Yeah. That that fifth dimension moment where you're no longer in a drop sequence, you're in a lateral moving vehicle. That really did blow my mind the first time I wrote it. Me too. And I didn't know it was happening because I was conditioned from California. Yeah. So I, I, I am grateful that I wrote in that order, that I wrote in California first and then Florida. But I think that that... F- that fifth dimension element does win in technology, not because it's groundbreaking technology, but that it does that implementation of having really two ride systems in one. Yeah. That's enough to give me the impression of like, okay, this is something else. Yeah. It kind of blows my mind that you realize that like, Oh, they had a vehicle that can follow a magnetic strip on the ground within like what a half a millimeter back when it opened like that's amazing in the 90s that's pretty that's pretty amazing technology all right so thrill we've talked about it a little bit already but thrill guardians of the galaxy ekes out it gets a nine for me and then tower of terror gets an eight and really like i said the only reason that guardians of the galaxy gets a nine the second the ride starts off I mean, you just start going up and down and it really genuinely feels like an elevator that is out of complete control. And what's really interesting to me is uh, the last time I counted, it's the same amount of drops as the ride was previously, but they make it feel so much more thrilling. So I found Mm -hmm. that was really interesting and that's why I gave it uh, kind of a leg up as far as uh, compared to Tower of Terror. But like we said before, Tower of Terror moving laterally is like pretty terrifying <laughs> the first time you yeah. do it and it's really genuinely surprising so um i i think yeah. it just it guardians just barely barely beats out tower of terror in my opinion my scores were reversed from yours i uh oh. 
I had Guardians at an eight and Tower at a nine. Um, I think it, it. I mean, it all boils down to that fifth dimension moment. Yeah. That you sort of. Cr- I mean, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that the elevator crawls out. It is like you feel it shaking. Oh yeah. It makes noise. It's following the little ele- you know electrical tape essentially on the ground, uh, but it is unsettling. And so to have that as the precursor to uh, a, a drop tower that goes faster than gravity, that really does like have you shaking in your boots. And the sort of just mysterious, spooky aura, I think that that did turn it up a little bit as well. Yeah. Um, Guardians is very happy-go-lucky. And I think that I get my, my, my scared levels go down when I hear Jackson five. And so I'm having like a rock out good time and it's an absolutely thrilling ride and it's faster. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I, like, I was actually surprised when you said it was the same number of drops. It felt longer when I, when I like first rode the refresh, I thought that it was like, you know, one and a half or two times as long as the, the tower of terror that preceded it. But yeah, I, I, I can't say enough good things about both rides. Yeah, they're um, both fantastic. And finally, we come to nostalgia. Guardians didn't do great. <laughs> it's it's brand new. Um, the nostalgia that yeah. was there, that was built up when it opened, is officially completely gone. So it gets a three, which I think yeah. is, yeah, three is my lowest uh, score um, that I've given so far. And then uh, Tower of Terror, I got to give it a seven. It is just such a classic nostalgic ride. Um, even just for people that watched um, the Twilight Zone. That's right. Yeah. Sorry, Blinken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's even nostalgic for people that watched the Twilight Zone. So yeah, that's my score. We again come to the category that either I'm a heartless robot or I'm just stingy on these nostalgia points. I also ranked a three to Guardians, but I only gave a five to Tower. Um, and you know, I, I, I don't really have like super fond growing up memories because I've recently moved to Florida and because guardians is also so brand new to me, they are both sort of like, they're great, fun, thrilling rides, but it's not like there's a ton of history or a ton of like Disney history even. Uh, both happen to be non-Disney properties, and just looking back, um, you know, this is a th- the third and fourth kind of third, but third and fourth attraction that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And the first ones were Disney originals. You know, they weren't That's based true. on IP, and so I think that there is a loss for nostalgia when it comes to just using someone else's story and creating a ride vehicle around someone else's story. Right. So the the execution of it, wonderful. The nostalgia factor for it, yeah. I also didn't grow up watching The Twilight Zone, so maybe maybe I sort of lose in that category as well. So I've been looking forward to this particular attraction comparison for the entire episode so far. Yeah, me too. We're talking about <laughs> Indiana Jones versus Dinosaur. Now... For those who may be wondering, why, Drew, are we comparing Indiana Jones and Dinosaur? 
Well, the simple reason is because the transport vehicles are exactly the same and the ride turn by turn is identical, even though they are completely different stories. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your numbers on this one. Well, uh, no one is going to accuse me of paying favoritism to Florida rides after this. I will just (laughs) say that. (laughs) Oh, boy. So, theming on Indiana Jones. So, for me, theming on Indiana Jones, there's no... I mean, it's the king of theming. It gets a 10. 100%. It gets a 10, and it deserves it. Uh, The second you to make that turn off of the main Adventureland uh, walkway and then you see the temple. I mean, you don't even realize that you're walking basically like a half a mile to get to the actual uh, show building, which I think is like amazing Mm -hmm. that they can keep you visually like stimulated that entire time you're walking without even noticing. That alone is incredible theming. And just the fact that it fits into that jungle vibe, the fact that Jungle Cruise, you know, goes by you as you're waiting in line for that ride, everything feels mm-hmm. overgrown. It really feels perfect when it comes to theming. I think it's it's definitely a 10. Um, dinosaur, however, um, I don't like the theming so much. Um, the Institute is really cool, like uh, seeing all the fossils and everything. Um, but there's, I mean, in comparison to Indiana Jones, it's a no brainer. So dinosaur gets yeah. a six for theming for me. I think it's a generous Drew, my six. friend. Yeah. Uh, wow. Ditto. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the theming to Indy. I also gave it a 10 and I was thinking all of the things that you said, uh, you literally walk through and past what used to be a parking lot. Yeah. So just put yourself in that reference of like walking from an exit gate to your car and how whatever you feel during that walk in this walk that is equally distant, if not a little further. Yeah. You've got anticipation. You've got things to experience. Like all the senses are triggered. You know, you've got all of the visuals. You're hearing yeah. the creepy creaking, the the drips and and like the the like scattering of uh, little bug feet, and you hear things falling, and you've got things to interact with, and you can uh, rock the guy around in the in the pit. The like, do not pull rope. You got to pull the rope. Right. It, there's even like a smell to the totally. indie that's like so unique, uh, unique to. Well, I mean, unique to dinosaur, you don't get that smell in dinosaurs. So it's not just like a ride vehicle thing. Right. Um, you're flanked on either side by like just incredibly jungly attractions. Jungle Cruise, obviously, being one of them. And then you've got sort of all the chaos of Tarzan's treehouse opposite you. Um, and I mean, I've, I've got the poster in my background. Indiana Jones, 10 out of 10. Dinosaur, on the other hand, uh, does not quite hit the mark. Um, it doesn't help that Dinoland USA is one of my least favorite themed areas yeah. in nearly any theme park on the planet uh, for a number of reasons that we'll maybe get into later. Yeah. And it's no surprise that I sort of alluded to changing Dinoland to an Indie Land 
in our previous episode. Yeah. Go check out episode two if you haven't already. Dinosaur gets a six in spite of the fact that it is, again, an identical ride vehicle with an identical track, turn by turn, and motion to motion, a clone. But the theming just doesn't hit home for me. You get into a museum. It's a fine museum. The pre-show is okay. Once you get into the actual like time rover element of the institute, it is pretty bare bone. Like there's like a couple of banners, I think, but it doesn't feel very time travel-y. It doesn't feel that advanced even. I agree. It just sort of feels like a loading zone. It feels like if time travel became the equivalent to going to the airport, that's what I would expect. Right. Right. Is like, okay, it's like here's your here's your time travel bus depot. Go to the see a dinosaur, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so Yes, I, I gave it a generous six, and I think um, I think that's all we need to say about that. Definitely, definitely. Now the next part, storytelling. Now, once again, I think these numbers are going to be pretty dang similar in comparison to each other. Um, I gave storytelling for Indiana Jones a nine, and I gave Dinosaur once again a very very generous six. Uh, Indiana Jones. The story is the story. I mean, even the the pre-show in the queue um, that is basically a safety spiel is interesting. It tells you why you're there, um, what have happened to other people that have visited, what you're going to expect to see, um, whether you're going to, you know, be choosing wisely. Um, I love that they have elements from the actual movies like Sala Mm -hmm. doing the safety spiel for you before you enter the the actual ride vehicle. And then once you're on the ride vehicle, there's a sense of urgency to get to Indy and find him. And everything is just so great through the speakers, the soundtrack, everything is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. Now, Dinosaur, on the other hand, um, I'm just really disappointed. I, I'm really disappointed that you can take such an amazing ride vehicle with so much potential and make it so boring and so non-urgent. Like uh, one of the biggest pet peeves for me when I ride Dinosaur is the fact that you pull up to a dinosaur, it takes five seconds for the narrator to say, that's not our dino. And then his voice doesn't even match the urgency to get out of the way that the ride is trying to portray. Does that make sense? Like, it just doesn't match. The fact that you're standing in front of a T-Rex for five seconds, this is supposed to be the future. You're supposed to be time traveling. You should have better, faster communications to your ride vehicles, right? Like, that's the whole point. Yeah. And so for me... There's just sort of some uh, a sort of frustration about sitting in front of a T-Rex for 5 seconds before anything in the ride happens. So, yeah. It gets, like I said, a 6. Uh, uh we matched our scores yet again. Okay. So, you and I are really feeling the same on our indie dino debate. So, <laughs> Good. 9 on 9 on storytelling. Um let's talk about the pre-show. Yeah. The reason that people are going and exploring for the the treasures of Mara makes sense. Right. You will go and you will bathe in the fountain of youth, drink from the fountain of youth, and 
you will reap the benefits. Right. This has a consequence that Indy is trying to address, but he's fallen under uh, problems. You are tasked to go and find him to help him to undo all of these consequences. Like, this really makes sense from a motivational perspective. Right. And if you were the exploratory type that you sort of, you put on this this aura, making that like literal half mile hike Mm -hmm. to this ride vehicle, and you become the adventurer just by process of walking through this queue and sort of like, Besting all these small miniaturized adventures before the big adventure. Right. All the little booby traps before. That's right. Yeah. So you you are ready to go by the time you sit down. And you have a motivation. It the motivation makes sense. And then the story unfolds and is thrilling and is exciting. And it's what you'd want from an indie film. But you are in the sometimes literal driver's seat. Like you are experiencing it firsthand. Right. I mean, like it, it is storytelling perfected. I, I can't I, I can't imagine anything that I would that I would really ever change. Yeah. Uh, I, agree. I mean the 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 only thing on a I mean this is jumping a category, but jumping a tech level, uh, the original illusion with the doors. Maybe if they could bring that back. Maybe, but it wouldn't change the story. Right. The story is right where it needs to be. Totally. And actually, you bring up a good point. Before you talk about dinosaur, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Does the dinosaur attraction in Animal Kingdom have a steering wheel? Yes. It does. Okay, good. So at least it has that. (laughs) But I think that's that's a big part of the storytelling too. Like putting someone in the driver's seat and... Like, I just remember as a kid pretending to be that driver or like being like, yes, Mm -hmm. I get to be the driver. And everybody immediately plays along with you. I think that is so hard to find. And I would say the closest attraction to that would be like Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run when like you can have strangers with you and you're all kind of a team now. Um, So I think it captures that really that like really cool thing, that magic that you can't really make up um, that you can't tell. The magic about indie and that sort of like communal effect of like, you know, cheering on the driver in a way yeah. really is all truly organic because it's not imposed on you. Right. Uh, with with Smuggler's Run, like it's sort of implied that like you, you should like be chill with your pilot and navigator because like they're your pilot and navigator. Right. Uh, you don't have to even acknowledge the person in the seat in front or next to you, but that the ride sort of just, you know, it's all of these like adventurers that are together on this journey. And there's one person who gets to be in that seat every ride. And man, if you get to be that person, that is something else. Like you get your own little spice. I do want to ask you, Aaron, are you the kind Mm -hmm. of rider that pretends to turn the wheel? Yes. I am too. I'm glad we got that. Well, and it <laughs> and it really helps that, you know, writing it so much, you know the turns. Right. <laughs> so you you can actually do the, the turns right. and like react to the, the EMV's motion. Like that's that's some next level stuff. Totally. It's like pretty dorky, but I love it. <laughs> Me too. You're not alone. Yes. Yes, yes. Uh Okay, dinosaur story. Okay, so everything that I talked about as far as a 
legitimate reason for motivating you as a character in the story unfolding and legitimate motivations from the characters in the pre-show and in the ride itself. All flies out the window with Dinosaur. You are in a museum that says that the way in which we're going to give you dinosaurs in the most visceral way possible is to send you back in time. Now, we've all seen Jurassic Park, and we know what can happen if you try and do it the other way. Right. But this is not the way to do it either. (laughs) I agree. I think the most visceral way to experience dinosaurs is through bones and fossils. I think that's all you need. That is it. That is the beginning and end. My fiance will argue that, though. (laughs) So it doesn't make sense why you're after a particular dinosaur. It doesn't make sense that if if the whole idea of time travel tourism to visit dinosaurs is such a thing that the time travel element of their business only goes to the prehistoric times and nowhere else. Like if they really wanted to do a time travel tourism ride, this would be a different ride. Totally. So I think that it is just, it doesn't tell a cohesive story. It doesn't do an amazing job of telling the story that it's trying to tell, as as you said, yeah. that it's kind of disjunct. That even, I mean, we're getting picky as far as talking about individual performances, but I think it's merited here. You don't have great performances talking about the urgency of this ride. Mm-hmm. And speaking of urgency, it was, before it was just known as Dinosaur, all capital letters, known as Countdown to Extinction. They had to tell you in the title that there was urgency <laughs> because they can't incept it in the ride itself. Right. So uh, I gave it a very, very generous six. That is that is very generous. That is very yeah. very generous. I, yeah. Yeah. In hindsight, I maybe even should have ranked it lower. Um, I think the the subject matter is what interests me. I like time travel and I like dinosaurs. I like that they are put together. I just don't like the way in which they're put together. Any of those elements on their own, great. Any of those elements in combination should also be good you know this is like dinosaurs and time travels like chocolate and peanut butter and for some reason they put it together with mayonnaise (laughs) and i just can't get on board (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm starting to think uh uh, everyone's starting to realize which one's our favorite a little bit yes yeah so technology all right technology technology. these should be these should be similar scores right they're identical rides mechanically speaking How'd you do with tech? They are not. (laughs) They are not to me. (laughs) Um, And you actually had... So for Indiana Jones, I gave it a 9. And for Dinosaur, I gave it a 7. And literally, the only reason is because of the things that you had mentioned previously. So the fact there are three different doors that you can enter uh, for Indiana Jones... um, with the projections, I mean, that's really great technology. Mara comes to life. That's like a, a fairly new thing, uh, which I really love. Yeah. But just the fact that, you know, there's elements like projected bugs on the wall. 
um, the animatronic snake, the hologram in the skull room or the bone room, um, the projected rats falling onto the car. Uh, as, and mm-hmm. then, of course, the main one, the ball. That is the such boulder. amazing technology. The boulder room. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. I, that's not like – should we spoil it for people, Aaron? <laughs> I mean it's a fairly old ride. I feel like by this time, if you are interested to know how the boulder room works, you've probably looked it up. And if you've never thought about how the boulder room works – uh, I'm going to put a time code on screen so you can skip the spoiler. Yes, okay. But Drew, you now have spoiler immunity. Yes. Spoil away. I'm so excited to spoil this one. Okay, <laughs> so the reason why this gets such a great score uh, and better than Dinosaur is be- is simply because of that room. The fact that your ride vehicle pulls up, Indy's hanging from a vine, and then all of a sudden you start backing up. Well, this is a reminder for you people um, not very many ride vehicles can actually go backwards. So how do they give you the sensation that you're going backwards? Well, the ride vehicle is actually sitting there bouncing like you're going in reverse, but the walls are moving forward away from you. That alone, the fact that the Imagineers had the audacity to say, well, let's just move the entire room forward to give them the sensation of going backwards blows my mind. I think it's absolutely incredible. I think that is like one of those things that will forever be the standard for all Disney ride attractions. I I think that is absolutely genius and that's why it got a nine. And the only reason why Dinosaur got a seven is because of the ride vehicle, which really doesn't help the actual ride itself. So, and plus it doesn't have any of those elements that I just explained to you. It doesn't have three different doors that you can enter. It doesn't have, um, projections or, or anything like that, or, or the walls that move forward in the boulder scene. So yes, it has the great ride vehicles, but that's about it. Um, Indiana Jones is my favorite ride. If you couldn't tell already. Again, it's yeah, it's the Grand Slam. It is the standard by which everything else is measured. Yes. Um, I I I matched your indie score, um, but I did give Dinosaur an extra point. On the technology front, it is a very dark ride, so really all that you have to work with is um, like audio effects and lighting effects. Right. That's like all that really is left at, at your disposal. And where Indy does like really throw this to a next level with the, uh, you know, like the sort of lasers that are coming out of the sort of crumbling Mara statue and all of these elements that are just really incredible. One thing that we didn't even talk about, uh, and I don't even know where exactly this would fit, but the scale of room and the dimensionality of what you see in Indy versus Dinosaur in which you never encounter another ride vehicle and you never see anything but what's a few feet in front of you. You're totally right. I totally forgot the whole point, like the bridge. The fact that your ride vehicle goes over an actual bridge um, and you can look down is absolutely incredible. You're absolutely right. Totally. And the vehicle sells it. It feels like a bridge. It feels rickety. And that they put a brake stop on the bridge. Love that. Like that's where that's where it's gonna stop if it needs other rides to like make progress. But instead it's just like, uh, 
How's the bridge doing? How's the bridge doing? (laughs) Is this okay? Are we okay? This isn't going well. Are we going to be the ones that don't make it out? Well, okay, we're no, we're we're fine. Oh, there's a giant snake. I digress. (laughs) Um, Which is very easy to do. So I did give it, um, I did give Dinosaur an eight on technology because of the shared ride vehicle system. I, I... I have to give a little bit of credit for the fact that they matched scene work based on EMV programming that was pre-established. That's true. That could could not have been easy to have to like do those calculations. So I I do think that that is a feat worth mentioning that they weren't creating an environment and then programming uh, reactions that the EMV would would um, translate to the writers. They are translating translating reactions that have nothing to do with anything in its surroundings and now selling it with set dressing. So that couldn't have been easy. Coincidentally, a lot of the ride is dark, but <laughs> it still does it still does take some work to make that work. Definitely. So some credit there. Not all the credit, but some credit. Thrill. Thrill. Pretty, pretty similar, actually, for me with Thrill. Uh, there's an 8 and uh, for Indy and then a 7 for Dinosaur. The Thrill for me is high on Dinosaur because that T-Rex is pretty darn terrifying. Uh, there's a lot mm-hmm. of scenes in which it gets way too close for way too long. And if you're somebody who doesn't like big old dinosaurs like me, it's pretty thrilling. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think... It, uh, everything that I've already said about indie applies to the thrill. It is just a totally different experience where you literally feel like you're on an out of control Jeep running through an ancient ruin. It totally sells it. The thrill is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And it is amazing to me that you can get that much thrill out of a vehicle that goes no more than like 10 miles an hour, I'd say, right? Like yeah. that is amazing. That is amazing technology. And the thrill level is just so high on both. Yeah, I, I think the only reason that I ranked Dinosaur high, and I gave it a 9 to Indy and an 8 to Dino, mm-hmm. is because you do have a bit of the illusion that you get in Space Mountain because of the darkness, that the turns are surprising, more surprising than if you can sort of see where you're going. You know, Indy, of course, emphasizes it by, like, you know, nearly tipping over right. with, uh, with the you know, just the dimensionality of the EMV. But I think the fact that you would have no idea, no real clue where you're going until it's already gone there. I do think that there's a thrill to be had there. And that darkness does play to its benefit in a thrill category. Yeah. And the animatronics, the animatronics are scary and are unsettling. Yeah. Um, There's one that you drive by that is eating another dinosaur, like to the, you know, almost to the like hind legs and you're like, Oh, this is not messing around. Right. This is, this is not the Flintstones. This is like, are they're going for realism here in so far as a time traveling dinosaur tourism ride could be real. They're going for realism in their dinosaurs. Yeah. So there, yeah, it definitely scores high in the thrill category. <sighs> Nostalgia for Indiana Jones is no joke. Drew, what, what score did you give to uh, Indy for Nostalgia? Um, so for me, Nostalgia got 9 and Dinosaur got a 3. Pretty big difference. 
I'm honestly surprised you were so generous with a three. Uh, <laughs> they they are they are basically two different rides to me when it comes to nostalgia. Indiana Jones, it gets a nine. Um, there's just no way to put it. It gets a nine. It uh, it dinosaur got a three. If and and the way I'd like to frame it is if dinosaur were to be removed tomorrow. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm all right with that. If Indiana Jones... Give me more Avatar attractions. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if, they, if they said, you know what? Dinosaur is closing. We're going to reskin it and we're going to make it Indiana Jones. I think I'd jump for joy. Versus Indiana Absolutely. Jones. It is so nostalgic. It is so a part of Adventureland. It fits so well. It's the iconic attraction in the very... I think the smallest land in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Only two attractions and one quick service restaurant. Right? So... Two, if you count Tropical Hideaway. Um, yeah. I mean, it is an iconic ride. It is so nostalgic. And like I said, it's just one of those rides where you just look forward to going on it every time you plan. And unfortunately, because the ride is so complex, it breaks down like every hour. But <laughs> yeah, when you do get yeah. to go on it for the first time, like I wish that I could remember my first time going on Indiana Jones because I would love to see me as a little kid going on it (laughs) i gave dinosaur a two and i think it actually got a negative point from maybe a fair score of a three just because it reminds me of indie without actually being indie and with just having all of the elements so close but then disappointing so much right (laughs) oh man um to be honest, uh, you know, on a, on a more personal note, my dad worked on Raiders of the Lost Ark. So as a young kid, I got to see his no name way. literally in the credits going up as special effects editor on our own VHS copy of that movie. That's so cool. And so having that and then going on that ride with him. I mean, this is just like the ultra nostalgia um, story, you know, being a little kid, adventurous going on the ride that my dad was so excited to take me on and all the way through the the queue, feeling nervous, jumping into the thing, going through the entire ride, making it through to the other side and just having the time of my life. Dinosaur misses really on all of that. I mean, yeah. we're, we're talking a lot of smack on dinosaur in a more analytical way. You know, in much the same way that Space Mountain doesn't hold a lot of nostalgia for me because there's not a lot of visual, uh, there's not a lot of visual information to latch memories to mm-hmm. because it's a dark ride. Um, right. Not not in the categorical sense, but it is just literally a, a ride in the dark. Yeah. Uh, all it really has is a bunch of shaking and and movement and some noise and some sound effects and a few lighting effects. And it just sort of leaves me personally wanting that full fleshed out experience of Indiana Jones. And I, I mean, I, I, I'm actually quite curious what the nostalgic effect would be to someone who's never been on Indy, but they have been on Dinosaur. I, I really wonder what that would be like. I don't know anyone who's only been on Dinosaur. I don't right, know. Right. We're both that, West Coast people. That's yeah. at least where we started. So that is really interesting. Like yeah. if you grew up only having dinosaur, 
and then you experience Indiana Jones for the first time, what's your reaction? That is really, I'd love to hear from somebody who's yeah. done that. Definitely. I mean, if, you, if you're in the comments and you are that person, please let us know. If yeah. you are a dinosaur lover and have never been on Indy, we want to keep tabs with you for when <laughs> Disneyland opens back up and you get your mind properly blown. Right. Um, but even my friends out here, they've all been to Disneyland in California. You know, if, if they're theme park fans, they've made their trip out. You know, they've done their their uh, homage out there. So I don't know. Um, again, nine out of ten for nostalgia for Indy and a two out of ten for nostalgia for Dinosaur. Yeah, you were harsher on Dinosaur than I was this time. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it comes down to just missing Indiana Jones. Yeah. I think that's a, that's it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. I think so, too. Definitely. Drew, we're now down to our final attraction. Uh, I saved this one for last for us to talk about because I think it's going to be the most divisive. I think that the nuances to the differences between these two rides are um, are important. They're small, but particular. And I think that I think that this is going to get interesting. I think this is really what what separates fans of one from from the other. And right. so, of course, I'm talking about the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Haunted Mansion. You know, what's interesting is the exteriors are like they're so different, but so similar, which is really, yeah. really interesting. So for California, Haunted Mansion is an Omnimover dark ride attraction located in New Orleans Square at Disneyland Park. And it opened in August of 1969. It's an oldie. And... Haunted Mansion in Florida, also an Omnimover dark ride that opened on opening day of Magic Kingdom in 1971 and is located in Liberty Square. Yes. So an interesting point to make here, Drew, of all the the 10 attractions or, you know, 10 instances of these attractions, if it, if it comes down to it that way, Magic Kingdom's Haunted Mansion is the only one that is an opening day attraction of our list of attractions. It's the only oh, one. I didn't even realize. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. All the rest of them uh, were follow-ups to other successful lands or in some cases, band-aids to fix otherwise failures of lands or theme parks looking at you, DCA. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, this was an opening day attraction for Magic Kingdom. So it was seen as such a success in 1969 and 1970 that they said, oh, this has to be be one of our attractions. Notably absent on opening day was Pirates of the Caribbean. Because the Imagineers figured, like, we're already in the Caribbean. Everyone knows about Pirates. We're in Florida. Like, no one cares. Like, that's not... That's not interesting. If anything, I would think that Frontierland, well, using this train of thought, Frontierland would be more interesting to someone from not the West, and Pirates would be more interesting to someone not from the, you know, the Southeast Coast, you know, the the, yeah. the Caribbean. That is very interesting. So, but of course, oh. that uh, didn't last long because they shortly thereafter built the Pirates for us. Right. Cut about every corner they could, but they did it. And that didn't make our list this time, but it no, will soon. No, no. It will be... soon. Yeah. That'll have to be in the next one. Because I've, I've got thoughts on that. 
they probably won't surprise you, but they might surprise some people. <laughs> Let's get to our scores for our last attraction. Haunted Mansion, okay. California. Talk to me about the theming, Drew. Okay. So for me, I think you guys can kind of, uh, there's a little bit of a trend happening. You can probably feel it. I'm partial to California because uh, it's the original Disneyland, you know? So for me, Haunted Mansion in California gets a nine and Florida gets a seven. And mm-hmm. it just has to do with the fact that it's in New Orleans Square. Yeah. It's it's really amazing to me that you can make a plantation style haunted mansion in the middle of a land that is based on a real place. Isn't that really interesting? And yet yeah, it is true. one of the most iconic rides that people don't realize isn't an opening day attraction. It's so ingrained in our memories and and all the times we've been on it, every time we've gone to the park, it's there. You think, yeah. you assume. It's kind of like people realizing that churros was not an opening day food, right? It's kind of the same it just, thing. It feels so much like Disneyland to be right. on Haunted Mansion that it's, it is one and the same. Yeah. Totally. But, totally. But there are 14 years of Disneyland Park not having a Haunted Mansion. Yeah. It's hard Quite to believe. Quite a long time. But yeah. yeah, so for me, the theming of Haunted Mansion in California, just the fact that you're in New Orleans Square, it's a plantation style home, you feel the age because it is old, even though it's not an opening day attraction, but you feel the, mm-hmm. you feel the brick, you feel the cold uh, while you're waiting in queue, um, all of the plants that they've planted, all the trees that have grown to full size um, now years later um just really really help the theming of the area and it really fits in i so for me i mean nine versus seven with florida i love the look of the haunted mansion in florida i think it's beautiful i think it really looks like something out of a story or out of a book Mm -hmm. that you would imagine in your head um but like i said it just is it technically in liberty square it is right yeah yeah. Yeah. So it's in Liberty Square, but I just don't get the same scary feeling that I get uh, from the mansion in California in the New Orleans Square area. Yeah. I think it has to yeah. do with the color tones, too. I definitely agree with that. You get more of a, a brick kind of like warm tones from. Right. Uh, yeah. From the Florida mansion. Um, oddly enough, you also get those similar warm tones from galaxy's edge from the stonework there whereas True. it's much more um pale both in galaxy's edge and in the california mansion so right. maybe there's some maybe there's some like shared reasoning there there has to be yeah. um yeah i i share your perspectives pretty closely uh my theming scores for california were an eight and for florida were a seven okay. uh i did i did give some some extra credit points for for florida because of the uh the theming within the queue, uh, you do have some pretty fun interactive elements in the queue yeah. that are absent from uh, from California. And I, and I say that celebrating the the interactive elements, and somehow I think if they had brought that to California, it would cheapen the experience. So for some reason in my head, there's a, there's a quality of the original Haunted Mansion that can't be touched or tampered or altered looking at you nightmare before Christmas that <laughs> is okay to do to the subsequent mansion. Right. Don't know why. don't know how, but that's, that's my take. That's, that's how I'm feeling about it. 
So storytelling for me is it's a tie. They're both sevens. Um, very, very close to being eights. Um, mm-hmm. I love that you're guided by a ghost host. Um, I, I think like the elevator and the whole pre-show sequence and then the, the hallway with the changing um, paintings and then the statues that follow, like that is great storytelling. You really mm-hmm. get a sense that you're in a pretty scary place. And then that's that's the feeling that you get before you even see the ghosts with the Pepper's ghost effect, right? Like yeah. you, you get that sense of like, ooh, I'm not in a very good place. Like it's very creepy. Um, it's very confined. It's It's interesting. So for me, they both get sevens. Both fantastic. I love it. I gave Florida a seven. I gave California a six. Uh, from a storytelling perspective, for me, you do get a couple additional rooms. Um, I think two additional experiences in the yeah. Florida version of the attraction, um, not including that you uh, your doom buggy goes through the portrait hall rather than you walking through it as a part of the queue. Right. Uh, but I do agree that you know this this is good storytelling. You have a really compelling introduction to the mansion with the stretching room. You have all this sort of like visual storytelling that's happening all around you about the dis-ease of this mansion and the ghost host sort of further contextualizing it for you. I will admit that I am forever stricken by the memory of writing the, uh, the haunted mansion in Disneyland Paris, which is an entirely more frightening experience. I would say that neither California nor Florida is actually scary. And I was scared in the Paris mansion. Um, Maybe another episode will explore, explore why and what they do that's different, but they are definitely more over the head with their storytelling. And that's something where California and Florida are both fairly subtle as to the details of what happened, why, Who's who are you supposed to really be scared of the moment where you fall out of the attic and that's where you die. And so that's where you start seeing the ghosts. It's fairly subtle. Like you sort of have to be told that that's what happens to know that, oh, that's the moment where you die because you sort of like lean backwards and it's like, oh, this is a cool thing that Omni movers can do. No, that's you falling out of a window. And so well, I'll speak for myself. I had to be told that more explicitly by comparison to a scene in uh, in the Paris version of the ride. I know I'm bringing up an example we're not really talking about, but you get buried and it's very obvious that you get buried and oh, that's where you start seeing ghosts and other demonic type things. So interesting. I think the storytelling is good. I think it's done excellently elsewhere on other mansion rides. So let's talk about the technology. This was difficult for me. And it kind of has to do with the fact of uh, something that you just mentioned. So I gave technology for California and Florida the same. Uh, I gave them sixes. And California should have been a seven. But Mm -hmm. there's one use of technology that I don't think elevated the ride and doesn't make sense. And I know it's probably going to be very controversial. But I, I, I have the feeling that the Hatbox Ghost was just fan service. It really yeah. doesn't have any fit. It's a great use of technology. It's really cool. But in the scheme of things, 
I think it's really, you know, it would be like adding a a 1000 animatronic into Snow White. It just doesn't work, right? Like mm-hmm. the whole point is that it's a simple ride with simple effects. And I think yeah. putting something like the Hatbox Ghost, that kind of technology wasn't necessary. And even though I think it's a really, really amazing display of technology, it's a clear case in which technology doesn't always enhance a ride experience. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I I was going to bring up the Hatbox Ghost as a reason why I gave California a 7 and Florida a 6. It is not the only reason. The other being the stretching room as a practical elevator. I yes. do like that. Totally. I think that that is really cool. And even though elevators, we've in this very episode talked about more advanced elevators, the fact that you're on a practical elevator versus a room whose roof stretches, I do appreciate that. Now, it's Florida. You can't really go down at all because that's the water table. Like, you don't have a choice. But it, it it's really neat that you have this practical elevator that is used within the story for a reason and that it all sort of works together cohesively. So I did give California a seven and I gave Florida a six. I think for me, going back to the Hatbox Ghost, I think for me, it's the difference between a movie using CGI versus practical effects. Like... Mm. Does that kind of make sense? Like, yeah. if you're like the the whole reason why Haunted Mansion is such a great attraction is because they built it with the technology that they had at the time, right? Yeah. Simple Pepper's ghost effects, um, lighting, uh, the stretching room, things like that. Very practical effects versus the Hatbox Ghost is like a really advanced animatronic with projection, and it just doesn't fit. So yeah, don't mean to I beat mean, it with a dead horse, but. You would know. almost have to like revamp the entire Haunted Mansion to match the level of technology for that to fit. Exactly. And and then you'd lose the ride altogether. Right. Yeah. you yeah. lose the charm. And we don't have charm as a category here, but it would score very high in charm. It definitely would. Definitely. Yeah. Well, our next category is thrill. So where was your ranking on thrill? It's kind of just below roller coasters. You know, the Omnimover system is a great piece of technology back with the World's Fair. You know, I think it's it's really great as a way to display things um, mm-hmm. and really, you know, point someone in the direction that you want them to look. So I give yeah. both I give both of them a five. Very similar ratings as far as technology and uh, and and thrill. I mean, it's just an Omnimover. Um, but what it what it lacks in thrill, it makes up in other categories. So yes, yeah. I also gave both a five. Um, there what I mean, other than it being an omnivore system and the execution of directing the guests' gaze in the exact right spot to accomplish the storytelling, mm-hmm. and with this sort of random hatbox ghost, there is nothing in the ride that screams a thrill. That's like so extraordinary that can't be found anywhere else. Um, It's actually, I mean, after a while, I find the ride really relaxing and like it is sort of this 
oddly and maybe ironically welcoming place to go to because it's so familiar and it's it has such this charm and such this nostalgia and yeah i don't know it really i mean and i think for a lot of people haunted mansion feels like home in the same way that their disney park feels like home definitely definitely yeah Yeah. you're kind of right it's kind of the opposite of thrill isn't it yeah yeah it's like it really is like um a ironically a place of belonging (laughs) surrounded by these ghosts and death and decay and morbidity yeah it's like that's where you want to be that's the perfect reason why the next category nostalgia is Mm -hmm. so powerful for that attraction so what it lacks in thrill it makes up completely with nostalgia and um for nostalgia i've only given two tens one was for uh the theming and indie the next one is for nostalgia for Haunted Mansion in California. I just think it is you're absolutely right. When weirdly when you go on that attraction or when even when you're waiting in line just listening to, you know, the the surrounding music and sounds, it's very nostalgic. It's very mm-hmm. I remember the first time I was tricked to go on Haunted Mansion by my older sisters. <laughs> it was a mean joke. <laughs> But you remember, and like it's those memories that really bring you back, and it, it truly is nostalgic. Now, Haunted Mansion in Florida, I obviously don't have a ton of experience in Florida Haunted Mansion, so that got a six, which is probably a little aggressive. I think I'd probably change it now to like a seven or an eight, because even though it's not our Haunted Mansion, it's still Haunted Mansion. Like it's still mm-hmm. a nostalgic yeah. classic ride. So uh, yeah. I, I don't don't take that six to too harshly i would change it i also have given two tens and the first 10 was to indies theming and the second 10 was to this ride's nostalgia the yeah. haunted mansion for nostalgia uh cannot be beaten and and i think yeah. it really does shock people when they find out that it's not an opening day attraction i think that's kind of like a a wild realization because yeah. it just feels so Omni Disney, like it's just so like quintessential Disney. Um, I also didn't like. I didn't give too much favor to Florida. I gave it a seven. Uh, okay. It is an opening day attraction in Magic Kingdom. Magic Kingdom is a very important Disney park. Haunted Mansion is a very significant reason for it. It just sort of. I don't know. There's there's something to be said for it being some type of a derivation. I think in the same way that Magic Kingdom and Disneyland, that there's some sort of derivation from from the original to the subsequent park that totally you never quite can get past it. And in this case, it's not even a like, oh, well, it was the version that Walt rode. Walt never rode Haunted Mansion. Right. So it's not something like that. This is really just a case of like the original, the charm that it has, the elevator. Uh, every little aspect to it, um, yeah, it's it can't be beaten on that nostalgic level, and that's why it's last. <laughs> yes, that's why we we left the best for last, the the nostalgia category on the most nostalgic ride in our list tonight. I mean, I would put that one up with really any attraction as far as nostalgia, and I don't think that any other could beat it. I agree. I completely agree. I guess it depends who you are a bit. It depends on your generation a bit, but 
I don't know. I, I think that, I think that maybe, uh, the ability to transcend generation is one of the things that makes, makes for a really nostalgic ride. Yeah. When you can transcend when someone was born or what experiences they come in with and just get right past that and right to the goods. And I think that is, that like basically what we're talking about is that has a lot to do with why people go to Disneyland. If you're going to Disneyland for thrill rides, you're in the wrong place. You're yeah. in the, you're in the wrong place. Like there yeah. are some good rides, but I think that's the difference between a ride or a park like Six Flags and Disneyland. One gives you thrill and that's about it. The other mm-hmm. gives you everything else. And that's the whole yeah. point of this exercise is like you know, we, we want everybody to analyze these rides. And like, obviously these aren't all the rides in the parks. Like everybody has a different opinion on what their favorite ride is, but the difference is splitting it up with these five categories, theming, storytelling, technology, thrill, nostalgia, and then giving it a ranking really lets you understand what kind of amusement park or theme park person you are and what you're looking to get out of a ride and why this ride is good or why this ride isn't good in your opinion. So mm-hmm. I hope it helps people kind of understand why we're trying to do this. In in analyzing these aspects, it can sort of inform you what types of rides and by extension, what types of parks you enjoy and what types of parks that you haven't been to yet that you will enjoy. You know, how to spend your money and how to spend your time. I found this to be really interesting that the highest ranked score, well, the highest ranked score in this in this case was my favorite ride, but I ranked rides that I personally enjoy more lower than some rides that I enjoy less just because of the way in which the numbers rattled out. We should talk about, um, let's average out our scores and let's talk about which rides got the highest scores and which rides got the lowest scores. I think you guys probably already have a good idea of what ride's going to end up at the bottom, but let's, uh, let's go over it. So what we've done is we compiled our scores together and averaged them. So what we're going to do is just go through uh, each attraction in the same order and talk about its score and then we'll go through and rank these guys from bottom to top. So for the Space Mountain category, Space Mountain in California averaged to a 33.5 out of 50, out of 50 possible points, a 33.5. Florida, not far behind at a 29. Big Thunder Mountain in California got a 33 and Florida got a 32. So really really neck and neck close very close i mean and that's interesting because of how similar those rides are it sort of stands to reason that they would be such a similar ranking by comparison space mountain in florida and california very different rides right guardians of the galaxy and tower of terror guardians averaged to a 31.5 tower of terror a 38.5 So significantly higher marks for Tower. Indiana Jones and Dinosaur. So Indy scored a 45 out of 50. That's pretty good. And Dinosaur a 29.5. The last category is Haunted Mansion. California Mansion scored a 36.5. 
And Haunted Mansion, Florida, a 31.5. Wow. I'm a little surprised by who's not in last. Uh, Dinosaur is not in last. It's Space Mountain in Florida. Wow. That by is a not, half a point. That is not what I would have expected. That's really No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so we have Space Mountain, Florida at the bottom. We have Dinosaur at a 29.5, just squeaking out above. Uh, and then we go to a tie where we have Guardians and the Florida Mansion at a 31.5. Wow. We have a 32 for Big Thunder in Florida. A 33, of course, for Big Thunder in California. And then we jump up to Mansion in California at a 36.5. Tower of Terror at a 38.5. And our first place winner, no surprise to anyone, I'm sure, Indiana Jones at wow. a 45 out of 50. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard that's a hard score to beat, but yeah, we have yet to do a lot of rides, and there true. Are, there's a lot of nostalgia in a lot of these dark rides in Fantasyland, particularly that we haven't that's covered true. yet. So yeah, very interesting um, to see, you know, if Indy will stay at the top. You know, I think the thing is there's there's like the perfect balance between a ride that has high nostalgia and high thrill. I think that's really the make or break. Because all too often the rides with high nostalgia have low thrill and mm -hmm. vice versa. The high thrill rides rarely have extremely high nostalgia. Yeah, I'm very happy with my numbers so far. Yeah, yeah. Same here. I mean, were there, were there any points where you were questioning how you ranked something based on, based on hearing what I was saying? Because I was certainly thinking carefully about my ranks when I was hearing how passionately you were talking about some of these rides. So I think for me, nostalgia, um, I think for a lot of the roller coaster rides, I'm just looking at nostalgia a little bit differently after hearing what you had to say. And I think like for me, nostalgia isn't, I can't remember exactly what word you used, but it wasn't necessarily nostalgia that I was judging those roller coasters on. So I'm not so sure. Not so sure. Yeah, I think I think you it. started off. I think you started off talking about fondness. That's what it was. Yes, fondness. So I think I was mixing mm -hmm. up fondness with nostalgia. And I felt like maybe I was a little bit too harsh at times that I can just let these brilliant feats of engineering and storytelling and artistry just be what they are. They're entertainment. They're lovely. And we are very lucky to have them. We're very Absolutely. fortunate to have access. Yeah. Absolutely. And when it boils down to it, we want you guys to try this on your own. Get a list of some of your favorite rides. They don't have to be in both Florida and California, but it might be fun to do it if you've been to both or do Shanghai and Paris if those are the only parks that you've been to. But give yeah. it a try. And in, in the back of your head, I'm thinking that you'll start to understand how difficult it is to make a very, very good ride. And trying to find that balance between thrill and nostalgia and making a ride that will last five years or a ride that will last 50 years. This has been really fun, Aaron. I had a great time. Yeah, I can't wait to do more of these. I can't wait to get to our next episode where we get back to reimagining new attractions. But 
Talking about the ones that are near and dear to us was really a delight. We can't wait to see you guys in the next episode. Once again, I'm Aaron. I'm Drew. We'll see you later, guys. 